What I want to share with you has nothing to do with what I shared in first service. It's not going to show up on the screen. Um, I, I almost apologize to that. I just sent a note back to the, to the staff. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, and this morning, you can watch it um, later on this afternoon, the first service. Um, we talked about the Holy Spirit. We, this was like 2.0. We did the, you know, part two, um, and it was about um, love, uh, the greatest gift of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And don't take my word for it. Is not the gift of tongues, not the gift of prophecy, not the gift of works, not the gift of miraculous things. It is the gift of love. And yet nobody cries out and says, Lord, give me the gift of love. They always want to speak in tongues. They always want some supernatural thing. And listen, we live in a culture that is a celebrity culture. We want everybody to see us, know us. We want to know that we fit in. But we need to cry out for the gift of love because love Love covers a multitude of sin. Love will take us places. Love will do things. Love will do that. We should be crying out because um, Paul says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, going into chapter 13, and the greatest of these is love. So we should be crying out for the gift, the gift of love. And not just love, but the ability to love our neighbor, our uh, co-workers, our boss, our spouse, our children, our moms and dads, our government, our nations around the world. We, we have got to be a people that can love. And when we've decided it's okay for us um, to not do what Jesus said, because I personally believe that the, 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 the most difficult gift, or the, excuse me, the most difficult thing that Jesus asks of us is love your enemy. But see, we've got to decide is it my neighbor? Is it my coworker? Is it my boss? And we go all the way up the spectrum, and the answer is yes. It's all of those. And that means we got to start wrestling with some stuff. What does it mean to be loved by God? And so today, that was the message in a nutshell from this morning. Ask God for the gift of love from the Holy Spirit, and he will give it to you. But today I want to talk to you a different story from the book of John, chapter 11. And I apologize, it's not going to show up there. I just called an audible. I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, I want you to do this because we need to have this message and we need to talk about something that's in this story um, in the first part. It begins in verse 1. Um, probably a, a, a story that most of us at least are familiar with. If you're not, please don't feel berated or any less than the rest of us. But we came in to hear from God, and I want you to hear from God and not from Joe. And so I want to share with you what I believe is from God and not from Joe as we go into this thing. It's about this guy. And remember, we just got done singing, how good is God? How good is God? There was this guy, now this man, his name is Lazarus, chapter 11, verse 1, book of John, and he was sick. Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother was Lazarus, now lay sick, and she was the same Mary that poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. You want to talk about scandalous. Wow, that's scandalous. It says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Your friend Lazarus, who you care deeply about, he is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet, Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. He did not come running. When somebody that was that close to Jesus, somebody that needed God to interact in their life that much, cried out and said, Lord, you've got to come. 
He stayed where he was for two more days. He did not head that direction. It says, then his disciples said to him, then meaning after two more days, his disciples said to him, uh, excuse me, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there wanted to stone you to death, and yet you're going back there? Big question mark. And Jesus said, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It's when he walks by night that he stumbled, for he has no light. After this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. So two days has gone by, and in the course of that two days going by, we recognize that Lazarus died. Jesus refers to it as Lazarus has fallen asleep, okay? And we're going to go there and wake him up. His disciples said, well, Lord, if all he's doing is sleeping, he'll get better. Come on, man. We got things to do. He's taking a nap. We're good with that, okay? And Jesus had been speaking about his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them, plainly. Lazarus is dead. Pretty blunt. Lazarus is dead. We're going to go help Lazarus because he's going to fall asleep, but he won't stay asleep. Well, then let him sleep, Lord. Listen, he says, Lazarus is dead. Right here, I want you to do me just a little favor, and I think this is why we're switching things up this morning. Who or what is your Lazarus right now? I believe that the Lord wants to talk to every one of you that's in this room right here, right now. And I believe that the question that the Lord is putting in front of your face, I believe that the Holy Spirit, who is God Almighty, wants you to answer the question, who or what is your Lazarus? What is it that you've been crying out to God for that maybe now is dead. Because that's what this story is about. This story is about two sisters that have a brother, and the three of them um, entertained Jesus on a regular basis. They were good friends. He sashays into Judea. He hangs out with them. He comes into Bethany, and they're like, hey, come on, stay the night. We got your room, got the beds made. You know, my wife was raised Mennonite, and um, some of you may or may not know that. And I just promise you, you know, we've got the extra bedrooms over there. The sheets are always clean. You never know who's going to stop by. Um, you never know who we're going to invite over to stay the night. You never know what's going to happen. Somebody comes up and knocks on your door and says, my husband beat me, and they're bleeding, and their clothes are torn, and you just invite them in. You never met them before, but they knock on your door at 1130 at night and, and you invite them in. My wife is always ready to say, hey, here's the deal. Let's be hospitable. Let's do this thing for you. And so here's the picture. Jesus can go to Mary and Lazarus, or Mary and Martha and Lazarus's house anytime he wants to. He can have some food. He can hang out with them. He can be there. And, and, and so we recognize that this is a family that Jesus is really close to. And Jesus would have appropriately hung out with Lazarus, you know, and they would have been the better friends, but still Mary and Martha. And then uh, we find out that Martha and Mary are like, oh, our brother is sick. And uh, it would appear that neither one of them is married because there's no husbands mentioned. And they're running the house in lieu of the fact that Lazarus eventually is going to be dead in the situation. But they're still running the house. And we don't see anything that would suggest that they have other men in that culture to take care of them. Forgive me for saying that out loud that way. But but just go with it from the culture, okay? And so um, Jesus is like, yeah, let's just wait a couple of days. 
I got things to do tomorrow. I got things to do the next day. Let's just wait. Because Jesus has a plan. It does not always feel like in your life, when your Lazarus dies, that God has a plan. It doesn't feel like it. I'm not saying God always wants whatever it is in your life that you're holding as your Lazarus. I'm not saying that God wants it dead. I'm not saying he's planning on it to die. What I'm saying is that he's got a plan for when it does because he lives on the outside of time as you and I understand it. So it's already happened and he's already, um, it's a chess game, if you will, between heaven and hell. Hell says, I'm going to do this. And God says, yeah, I saw that already. Let me just move my rook up here. <laughs> you don't win. See, God is always a step ahead, not to give us what we want, but to prepare a place for us to come home as a reward. It's not a punishment. Okay? But we recognize that he says, Lord, they said, Lord, he's going to die. And Jesus, excuse me, he's going to wake up. And Jesus says, he's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. It's a bold statement. But I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him now. Let's go. So Thomas, the one called Didymus, but Thomas, and we know who Thomas is, right? I'm not going to believe that it's Jesus if he doesn't stand here and I can put my finger in his hole, the holes in his hands and put my hand up inside of his side. I don't believe he raised from the dead. I don't believe you guys saw him. I'm just going to, you guys are going to just have to prove it to me. God's going to have to show up so that I get to do those things or else I'm just not going to believe it. And lo and behold, you know, a week later, God does that very thing. Shows up in his life. Have you ever told God, if you do this, I'll do that, and God did this, and you didn't do that? You still need to do that. I don't care how many years it's been. You still need to do that. He's still waiting on you to do that. And I would encourage you to get after it. Then Thomas called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, all right, we're going back to Jerusalem. That's where they wanted to stone him. So let's just go with him so that we can die too. He's going to get us all killed. Didymus was not somebody who's like, oh, Jesus, Messiah, God in heaven, he's going to save all of Jerusalem. He was like, political power, let's do this thing. We're going up there now, we're going to die. There goes all our hopes and dreams, thank you very much. Let's just go with him up to Judea so that we can all get killed. Let's just do this thing. Don't read that without a little bit of sarcasm. And before you tell me, hey, Jesus wasn't sarcastic, oh, let me show you the places in the Bible where Jesus said, oh, you brood of vipers, oh, you, uh, who told you, uh, you know, John the Baptist, sarcastic. Jesus, at times, sarcastic. Paul the Apostle, are you kidding me? The man was, he, he didn't have a problem with sarcasm. He was good at it, okay? And it's like, you read your Bible, and you'll actually see that. We get this idea that he spoke with an Australian accent, and he just went around and spoke in a monotone voice, don't we? Just inviting everybody to dinner. Jesus, he was, he was Jewish 2,000 years ago in an occupied territory. And that's the picture that we've got. So Thomas is like, fine, let's all go with him so that we can die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So it would appear... It would appear that he either died when he got the message or he was four days from where they were when he got the message because he's been in the tomb for four days. He's been dead. Now, Jewish history and culture, Rosedale Bible um, College, um, Willard Mayer. I believe it was Willard Mayer. Okay. 
he had to be there for four days because Jewish people believed in the day that the first three days your spirit's still wandering on the earth, but that fourth day, you're out of here. You're done. So they don't consider somebody dead until the fourth day. See? And so Jesus waits until the fourth day so that there is no doubt in anybody's mind that it is dead. Hey, hey, look at me. What's your Lazarus? What's your Lazarus today? What's your Lazarus? So Jesus waited until he'd been in the grave for four days. Bethany was less than um, two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. So let me just tell you, there's a whole group of people in Jerusalem back in the day that were professional mourners. Okay, they're professional mourners. If one of your loved ones die, you expect them to show up, you'll be looking like, well, who are those people and why are they screaming and yelling? And mourning, just so you know, mourning is wailing and wailing is screaming and screaming is irritating as all get out. It just is. But that's how they mourn. And so these professional mourners are at the top of their, because they want to, you know, give them a good send off. And so they're mourning. I need you to have this picture. And Jesus comes in, and who's that morning? Ah! Mary and Martha are like, this. I mean, Martha's like, Jesus is coming. I'm, I'm headed out there. I'm going to go see. I'm going, so that's what it says, okay? It says, uh, many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed where she was at home. And Lord, so Martha meets up. Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you ever, whatever you ask. I don't know what you hear in that. Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. But uh, even now he'll give you whatever you want. That's a person that has a lot of hope. That's a person that has seen Jesus do some things. That's a person that can do like Moses and Ezra and begin to recount the goodness of God. Oh, how good is he? Huh? I, four wheels I had to replace. How good is he? Doesn't matter. Okay? Then I ran over a screw with my, my, with, with my rover. How good is he? Okay? We're still going to sing. And then it's like, ah, how good is he? Got to get hit a curb or something. And the back one developed a pimple on the sidewall. Why didn't I just get four when I got two? How good is he? Nobody's died in my life. But is he good when things go wrong? Is he good when your Lazarus dies? When he, is he good when you're standing in front of him and you say, God, I know that you could, but you didn't, but still. But still, the story goes on. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered and said, okay, so they're, they're Pharisees, not Sadducees. They're clearly Pharisees. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know he will. I know he will. And Jesus said, I'm not talking about in the sweet by and by. So many times we say, oh, but they'll be healed in heaven. Okay, okay. But that's not what she's talking about. I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives, believes in, excuse me, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and said, The teacher is here, 
And she said, and he's asking for you now. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to Jesus. And now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. So he waited. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, they're screaming and hollering and wailing, okay, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, this is the Mary who poured the oil on his feet and wiped his feet with her hair, the scandalous Mary, the scandalous one, you and I today would have a conniption if somebody pulled that stunt in church on a Sunday morning, let alone if you heard about it on a Friday afternoon. We would. And Mary did that. She ran out to where Jesus was. She reached the place where Jesus was. She saw him. She fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. A juxtaposition between two personalities. Martha served Jesus on a regular basis and then complained and said, Jesus, tell Mary to get in here right now in one, case, in one occasion. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and said, Martha, could you bring some iced tea? They're thirsty out here. I don't know what she was really doing, but come on. She wasn't in there being hospitable. She was learning at the feet of Jesus. Martha, who was still absorbing everything that Jesus was teaching, had all the hope in this circumstance. Mary was hopeless. Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. What's up with that? We called, we sent a telegram, we sent somebody, we sent a runner. We prayed so hard, we fasted, we believed, and you let him die still. What's, what's your Lazarus? What's your Lazarus? What are you hanging on to right now that I'm talking about that nobody in this room knows anything about? When Jesus saw her weeping, so clearly when she was accusing Jesus, she was bawling her eyes out. She just lost her brother. And I get it. I, I, she's a human being and her heart is hurting. When Jesus saw her weeping and all the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. Oh, some of them were probably family, so let's just say that's legit. Some of them are crying. It's like, part the seas here. You know, you guys stand over there, family over to the left. He was moved deeply in spirit and troubled. And so he asked, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Not because he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He wept because their hearts were so broken because they didn't understand what God was doing in their life. It didn't make sense. It wasn't part of their goals, plans. It wasn't part of anything. But God was doing it. And they didn't like it. And so one person said, Lord, but you still can. And the other one said, it's all on you, Lord. You could have done something if you would have been here. And you and I both know from reading the scripture, God doesn't have to be in your house to do something powerful. We can pray here for something over in China, and God can do it because we choose to believe. We can, we can do that. We recognize that. And then the Jews said, see how Jesus loved Lazarus, that he he, he loved him so much that he's now crying. Some who were there said, couldn't the one that opened the eyes of the blind not have kept this man from dying? And there it is, the naysayers. Once more deeply moved, they came to the tomb. It was a cave with the stone rolled across in front of the, in front of the entrance, just like he was going to be laid in in just a little bit. There's a picture there. See it? 
Okay? Take away the stone, he said, and I love this. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, there are some things that I just like from the King James. And I like it better than it is in the NIV. And in the King James, it says, Lord, he has been in there for four days, and surely he stinketh. Their Lazarus is, their Lazarus is dead, and it stinks. What's your Lazarus? What's your Lazarus? What is it? You've given up hope. It stinks. God, I don't even want to bring it into the church. I don't even want to ask people to pray again. God, it stinks. I'm tired of hanging on to this dream that you're not fulfilling. It stinks. There it is right there. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've always heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of all these people right here listening, that they may believe that you sent me. And then when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And he said to them, take the grave clothes off and let the man go. Let me just put this up here. Because I've got two new hips that are now about two years old and you're sick and tired of hearing me talk about my new hips, but I'm still proud of them. Because I'm thanking the doctor that put them in there. I am. But you've got to get a picture of what's going on. This man's dead and buried. In Jewish tradition, he was wrapped up like a mummy. Jesus came back and said, move that stone. And they rolled the stone away. And Jesus didn't just walk up to the grave and say, come on out! Because if he did, think about this for a second. I'm not trying to be funny. Everybody that died before that moment would have come out of that grave. Even if they weren't buried in that grave. Because the voice of the resurrection of life called them out. So God had to specifically say, Lazarus, just you, just you, Lazarus, come forth. And so Lazarus came out. And in your head, you're like, yeah, Lazarus came out. That's not what it says. It says Lazarus came out bound hand and foot like this. That's how Lazarus came out in front of all. I'm not kidding you. Read your Bible. I didn't make that up. It says he came out bound hand and foot. And he hopped out of this grave, and so much so that Jesus said, listen, some of you that love that guy, unwind that stuff so that he can, in fact, be alive in front of your face. So here's the deal. I believe that God is trying to encourage some of you in here that believe that your Lazarus is dead, that you shouldn't be giving up hope. And we would like to pray for you. You're sitting here going, I know what you're talking about. I know what you want to do. I'm not going to do it. That's you. Could you get up and come up here? Literally right now. Could you literally stand up out of your chair and come on up here? Could you do that? I've been preaching about a Lazarus, and you've been sitting there going, don't you dare, Pastor Joe. Don't you call me. Don't you ask me. Don't you. I'm calling you, and I'm asking you, and this is why. Not because I'm trying to prove anything. I believe that God wants to do something with your marriage. I believe that God wants to do something with your child. I believe that God wants to do something with your finances. I believe that God wants to do something with your attitude because it stinks. I believe that God wants to do something in 
your life that you thought God would never, ever, ever do. And if I'm wrong, then you won't get hurt. You'll just get prayed for. That's it. That's all. And it doesn't rob our hearts to get prayed for if we'll allow God to be God and whatever answer we get is okay with us. But you're sitting here and you're saying, wow. Now some of you have been looking on just like the people that surrounded Mary and Martha and you're wondering what the world is going on there. It won't make you any sense unless you understand that you were born a sinner separated from God. And that sin... It's not about hell, but that's the end of sinners. It's, it's, hell actually isn't, because the scripture says that in the end, God is going to take, he's going to take the devil, and he's going to take hell, he's going to tie them up, hell, and throw the devil and hell into the lake of fire. Don't take my word for it. Look it up yourself. It's in a book of Revelation, okay? So here's the deal. We gather together and we ask God to do something. And then we sit back and, and we just wonder if he ever will. Why don't we choose to believe that he will instead? Why don't we just push back? Why don't we decide that we are going to fight, that we are going to say no? We're going to keep knocking on the judge's door and knocking on the judge's door like Jesus said until the Lord answers our prayer. Because I believe that God wants to do something in your in your life. And listen, you might think that nobody knows what you're going through. It might feel like nobody understands it. it you might understand that being born uh, a sinner and separated from God, that there's no hope for you. But here's the deal. Jesus came down and died for the very thing that separates you from God. He paid that price. And if you will do just a simple thing like say, Lord, I totally recognize that I'm a sinner. I totally recognize that I'm separated from God. I totally see the love that you have for me to pay that penalty. And I receive that by surrendering my life to you. It literally is that simple, at which point you become a child of God. It's that simple. There's no skyrockets, no neon lights. It doesn't take a conference. It doesn't take famous people. It doesn't take, it's just you saying, God, please forgive me. I receive the blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. What do you want from me now? We don't get up and tell God what he has to do. We get up and say, how can I serve you and bring you glory and honor? And that's what I want to encourage you in today. I do believe that God wants to touch your Lazarus. I, I don't know what it is, but I, I believe that he wants to touch it. And for some of you, it doesn't make sense because you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, can we pray for you? Would you like to do that today? Just, just get up and come up here and, and, and we'll pray for you too. We will. You're not less than us or more than us if, if you get up and come up here and pray. Every one of us needs prayer all the time. You just might have a little more courage today than some of us. But I promise you, God knows what you're going through because he sees your Lazarus. I promise you, God wants to do something about it, but I can't promise you I know what that is. And I won't. Because I'm not God. But I do know that you have to let him have it if you want to see something miraculous happen in your life. And sometimes it's just as simple as obedience. Sometimes it's as simple as repenting. Sometimes it's as simple as surrendering. But I believe today that God wants to do something in your life. So, 
I want to invite you to come to your feet. We're going to go into this song. And if you have the courage and you're like, today, Lord, I don't want to leave without it. I want out of this dead tomb. You just come up here and somebody will meet you and pray with you. They will. They will step right into your life. You don't have to explain all the details and stuff. And then we'll just choose to believe that God wants to do something in your life.